You're listening to the Driven by Design Now Awards podcast. I'm Mark Bergen, founder of Driven by Design, and joining me is Kirsten Mann. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Not bad. Now, Kirsten, (laughs) the last couple of podcasts I've asked you, you're still the senior vice president. I am currently. But I don't think it's just Aconex now. Something's happened, hasn't it? It has. Aconex and Oracle are now one. Woo! Yay! So it's a pretty amazing success story for Aconex. How many months? How many months has it been that you've been going through this? Well, officially it started in December, but it was going on for a while before that. So I'm sure everybody's relieved, but... It's probably a little bit like a lot of things. It's not even over now. There's still going to be a, a lot more that happens. You've got an exciting 12, 24 months ahead it of It is. You. I think I'm going to do a blog post about mergers and acquisitions at some stage. Yeah, make sure that you're out of the um, non-disclosure, non-comment yeah. period because <laughs> lawyers generally get pretty upset when people talk about that. It would be a good one. It would say, you know, how do you preserve culture or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> now, we've got five absolutely extraordinary projects here that we're going to go through and have a look at today. They are very exciting all quite different though like always you've managed to kind of get well, the obscure of the obscure it is amazing, it is amazing <laughs> when you reach out and you try to find out what's going on around the network i'm fascinated where these projects come from mm. and every month i go really yeah how the hell do we get that i've seen some that are coming for next month's collection that are coming through and i'm going where did that come from? It's, it's amazing. And I think every week I think that they can't get better, but yet it does. Well, so, so this exciting. week we're going to be in, we're going to go to New York, we'll be in Hong Kong, a little bit of Silicon Valley here, some good um, uh, German motorcycle stuff in here, and then we go off to the tropical islands to Palau. Have you ever been to Palau? I have never been to Palau. I hadn't heard of Palau before this, but now I want to go to Palau. So, listeners, we're going to actually turn around and we'll wind up in Palau. Mm -hmm. But Palau is in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, a little bit south of Guam. So if you're in the United States, you'll know where that is because, I don't know, there were 50,000 ex-war movies made there. Or it's somewhere that you go if you're really, really bad in the army. Or if you're Leonardo. Off Leonardo. Yeah. That's right. So there's a little tie into Leonardo Caprio there, which has yeah, Kirsten excited. Myself couldn't care either way. But our first project we're going to go look at here is South Street Seaport in New York. Now, this this is another one of your brownfields. Well, so this this technically isn't a brownfield. Isn't it? Like, what's your criterion? So brownfield is actually where you go and uh, you take and then you redevelop it. So this, this story here is actually about rebirthing an area. There is going to be a bit of brownfield mm-hmm. involved with the South Street Seaport project, but it's not here yet. Okay, so all we're going to be talking about here is what's happened from the um, restoration of the South Street Seaport area and then also their amazing new shopping mall, entertainment complex, Pier 17 extravaganza that they're doing. Now, they have spent an absolute bomb. And if you look at the website and see the video on this, it is the, uh, the photos, everything is extraordinary. It just looks 70, $785 million, I think. $785 million has been invested to go... Because if you're in New York and you're trying to make a splash, I think that's actually the, the light side of the budget. The, this site, it's got retail, it's got a destination in there um, uh, for anybody who wants to come down and have a visitation. It's got it's, a rooftop bar. It has. Well, actually, <laughs> I'm going to actually say rooftop venue. Venue, okay. You know, the venue there, it will hold up to up to 4,000 people. Yeah. 
And they've gone off to the team at Live Nation and they've said, can you go manage it? Now, if you've gone to Live Nation, you can expect there will be, well, you two are in that camp there, you've got Coldplayer in there, you, you, even Moby will probably appear at some stage and wind up doing a concert there. A nice, intimate concert that you're looking out across the band and then you're seeing the Golden Gate Bridge. I just said Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> They're not going to see the gun. Very tall. Now that's a correction, there, <laughs> listeners. You're going to go and see those beautiful collection of bridges uh, around uh, Brooklyn, uh, running between Brooklyn and Manhattan. It is going to be the go-to place. It opens now. And the, the important I mean, they're, they're basically injecting life into a resi potential residential area for New Yorkers, but tourists are going to flood this area. Like, it's yeah. pretty amazing. And I think that's, a, that's one of the extraordinary changes that they've made. A lot of tourism destinations wind up being ice, ice cream mm. liquors and yeah. Ugg boot purchases. I don't know what it is about Ugg boots, but somehow they're <laughs> everywhere in the world where tourists are. <laughs> that's not normally what I think of with I think of tourist destinations. Okay. <laughs> Probably a bad cap that says, you know, make the ice cream great again or something. <laughs> but but so they've worked out how to go and rejuvenate mm. this place and also take it up market. We saw the seven-year project that the team at Snowheader had worked on at Times Square to go and lift up Times Square. It went through an economic revival. We're expecting this part of the South Street Seaport area around Pier 17 to do the same. It is extraordinary. I do recommend everyone looks at it because it mixes um, a revitalization from an economic perspective, placemaking's in there, it's got entertainment, it's got luxury shops. I can't wait to be there. And I'm, I'm there in a couple of weeks' time. I think you're there as well I'm in this area. I'm on my way there tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe not to this venue, but wow. once I get there. <laughs> Gotta love the international travel that you do. If you can get from Melbourne to New York tonight, then that's an amazing it's thing. It's pretty cool. Well, next we're going to go over to the other side of the world oh, and visit Hong Kong. And we've got there the Vibrant Express Rail Link. Okay. I, so I love Asian design projects and the names that they have. Because they're obviously coming that they have dual meanings of either what it means to Chinese speakers who are looking at it in English, because a Hong Kong vibrant express rail link doesn't actually resonate so much for us, but maybe it actually ties in for the main market, which aren't the just on 10 million people in Hong Kong. This actually is about joining the delta of 65 million people and getting them to be hyper-connected through the use of high-speed rail. So the, it's, it's like 25,000 kilometres or something, isn't it? Yeah. That's going to connect these areas. And that's basically going to forge, you know, social and economic ties and future development opportunities for the community. Part of the reason that we talked about this as being such an extraordinary project is this is about government systems. It's not about the buildings of the railways, although they're gorgeous and wonderful. And it's not about the engineering of the tracks, which is also extremely well done. It's the systemic thinking to say, how do we create economic lift by using the available technologies, the available design scope that's there, capital, and we actually bring it all together and we create something that fuels an economic revolution. Yeah, and that's what China's doing. This is astounding. It's a complete economic transformation. I think you mentioned too, Mark, that they're also doing other projects which connect airports to Macau. So they're just saying, how do we go and transform this economy and connect, as you said, 65 million people? It's bizarre. <laughs> it is. Well, I'm, I'm there uh, next week uh, in Hong Kong. I'll get to have a look at part of this project here. Um, I've seen it over a couple of stages on my last few trips there. 
extraordinary is where you start talking about this project. So congratulations uh, to the Hong Kong SAR government and also the MTR Corporation who have been pulling it together. Well, next we're going to go and talk about um, genetic testing in a sense. So 23andMe Genetic Health Risk Report. Now, this is something that's a bit different, and you knew some of the history that was associated with this company as well. Yeah, so we've been monitoring um, 23andMe uh, for quite some time, and they actually picked up a New York Design Award in 2015, um, and that was after, you know, they've been around for quite a few weeks, and they've had a journey which was that they started up as the punk startups, and then they put into the market that they were doing some tests that the FDA, the uh, Federal Drug Administration, in the US, they turned around and said, you've got to stop doing this because you're now having clinical impacts. It's not just wellness you're involved in, you're now getting into clinical impacts. So they... So they they were breaching regulatory compliance, basically. So it was an interesting thing. It it wasn't so much that they were breaching, they didn't have uh, regulatory compliance. And that's a very interesting concept Mm. around medicine because, you know, the reason the FDA was set up was because there wasn't a lot of regulation around how drugs worked. Thalidomide came to the marketplace. It was abhorrent. It should never have happened. And they've put a control system in to stop that. And then since then, there hasn't been the type of failure that we saw through that you know, inappropriate use of medicine with thalidomide. And now what you're seeing is that when you've got people giving results that say that you may or may not have a particular genetic marker, which is associated with cancer, that's a really important area that's got to be well scrutinised. And this and this project here actually looks after two two markers. The the BRAC I, I keep calling it the BRAC markers, but I'm not sure that's exactly um, the name of it. It's the BRAC um, uh, markers there, one and two, and so it picks up both of those. And you say, well, that doesn't sound like a hell of a lot. And I think it is a hell of a lot. If you've got somebody in your family who has um, been diagnosed with breast cancer, either a direct relative or somewhere in the family chain, and you're, you're going to have a degree of uncertainty of, should I have children? Will I be passing on this, this gene issue to, to my children? What's going on? And the great thing about these sorts of tests is that they can turn around and give you peace of mind. They yeah. can't, they can't, that's not about curing cancer. But this is about people who are saying, I know I don't have those markers, so therefore I don't have to monitor the fact that I may be susceptible to this cancer. Well, it's, it's proactive well-being, isn't it? It's like what we talked about at our last podcast, yep. that things where people can take control and manage their own well-being. And this product, I think, is direct to customers and consumers, so you can actually go to it directly, do the testing, and then, as you said, get that peace of mind and know whether you need to take things a step further. And one of the things that they did when they actually were allowed to come back into the market, which was for their personal genome service, so this is we're talking here about their genetic health risk reports, that first product they came out with was, if we found that you've got um, a predisposition we're giving you the appropriate information so that you don't go into meltdown, you don't just jump, jump on Dr. Google, and you, mm-hmm. you don't start doing things which are bad for your well-being mm-hmm. and health, that you've got proper clinical support and information. So they're dealing with the next steps, basically. Yeah, and so, look, I think this is amazing. They're so far ahead from their contemporaries because they've gone down the regulatory compliance mm-hmm. world. And as we saw in the last six months, Theranos, who went to do the micro um, blood um, sampling and, and results, 
they were so far out of alignment with what is what are the standards from medical compliance they've now had that the ceo is never allowed to conduct operations again in that space basically the company is being told you're out of bounds and you're out of the league you know you're not even allowed to play it's very interesting whereas 23 and me have done a great job to go get themselves into compliance issue you know their first products in 2015 here we are a couple of years later which is the speed that uh, the medicine yeah. world works a couple of years later they've got their next um, tests that are there and i'd expect we're going to see a cascade of more tests that come out from them which will help individuals with very specific needs but from a global sense mm. because you could be a customer anywhere and go get this testing done and access to medicine is one of the really important things that we should be thinking about to me, extraordinary. You can obviously tell I'm passionate about yeah. medicine, yeah? <laughs> a fantastic story about bringing peace to mind. Well, next we're going to go somewhere that's a little more, well, it's actually super sexy. Let's face it. This is the BMW Vision Next 100 motorcycle. Now, this is an amazing piece of equipment. Like, you look at this, it looks very James Bondy. I've just realised something now. What? You can say it's very sexy. I can't. No? Yeah. Oh, there's I, a female feature, there. Yeah, there's a female. So, so, so actually, so I think it's actually there's this really powerful female figure that they've used in, in the vision here for the BMW Motorrad Vision Next 100. I'm sure it's one better than the Vision Next 99, yeah. but Vision Next 100. And, and so they've done a really interesting thing that they've stylized this in a way which to me isn't about sexy. It's actually probably about the sassy side oh. and, and i actually it's, found it's, it's totally, for you you're going to yeah. say it's sexy i just looked and i thought this is a powerful strong woman uh, well, actually who's riding to a bike, bike. Okay, right <laughs> right well and there so, you go i am so much in the here aren't I? and it's it, i think they've, they've done this whole they're using driver assist where they've taken tech from four-wheel drive vehicles and applied it to two-wheel drive vehicles absolutely and it's extraordinary like there's not even a kickstand like you know you can basically just step off it and it all balances yeah and i think um uh, i got on a motorbike when i was about 17 right. rode it around the car park of well you know, it was a less than a couple of minutes ride got off it and said i'm never riding one again because I was having far too much fun. Right. I, knew, I knew I'd kill myself. Now, I think you've ridden a little bit more. Yeah. You've done the up and over. Yeah, on, on farms and things like yeah. that. So, yeah. And so that up and over manoeuvre that happens where you wind up, you know, something goes a little bit wrong and you're over the handlebars mm -hmm. and you're now down on the pavement, that's all about balance. Mm. And so when I drive my four-wheel uh, four car, I get all of these assistance now where individual braking on wheels so I don't look like a goose when I'm going around a roundabout too fast. Uh, those sorts of things are there to help me. The smarts that are in the bike here are about how do you go make sure that you're dealing with the motion vectors and that the forces are going in the right direction. They've obviously got some really good smarts in it. The, the bike, as you say, the bike looks absolutely you know, amazing. It and is amazing. I, my prediction will be in the next James Bond or Batman or something show. Like it's futuristic and yeah. it's really and and so impressive. so this is the gateway for people thinking about how they've got it here in motorbikes. But how do scooters begin mm. to pick this up? And we see that happen very quickly. So you go the flagship product, and then that innovation comes down to a whole range of things. Because as we see baby boomers go, go around, we're going to find that not a lot of them are going to be on mobility scooters, mm. you know, the four-wheel four ones sitting down. They're probably going to be standing up. Mm. And they need something that gives them a little bit more stability. Segway. So as we get... <laughs> please, no segways. 
you know, to me, segues then go with the Bluetooth headset, which are only eclipsed by then the Bluetooth buds, you know, so won't go there. we just don't need that, do we? Astounding project here, beautifully engineered, beautifully presented, and I think it just gives you that signature to the future is mm. here. And what I'm trying to make sure that we do with the NOW Awards is that we're giving people an idea that what you might think is the far distant future it's actually is here. actually here. That's Beautiful a, project. And a last project, which is actually the Design Award of the Week, isn't it? This, this one? This one, well, the, yeah, so this, well, not of the week. Yeah, uh, <laughs> don't kill me. I'm not, uh, we're not going to do this weekly, but for the month. So this project here is the Palau Pledge. As we spoke about, Palau's an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. And it comes as a beautiful piece of storytelling that their team at Host of Us have, have helped the Palau government to go in and create behaviour change by setting expectations, by giving a great experience, giving satisfaction to the people who have arrived, and also giving people a values-based holiday experience. So well, I look, it's just it, like it's it just keeps very rolling. different to what our normal project is. And I think, so listeners really need to go to the site and see the video to get the full effect of this one. But what they've done is they've said, how do we communicate a dilemma in this situation, right? And how do we get people to change their behaviour without being authoritative and saying you have to do this way? And you kind of watch and you think, okay, there's, there's kids running around, what's going on? And really what they've done is they've it's an extraordinary piece of design experience work because they've used one of my favourite design techniques being empathy. You feel for the people on this island and you actually do want to help them. So as a tourist going there, I can totally see people saying, you know what, this is amazing. I want to help these people preserve this space. So it's a very, very clever program. Absolutely, yeah. It's a, it's a really clever program. And what I found engaging with it is that it's the simplicity of the device that they use. Mm. A big fat stamp that goes in your passport. Mm -hmm. Because most of the time when I go across borders now, there's an RFID chip in my password, it goes a uh, passport, it goes through some gate. I never see a person. There's the passport has stopped being a, a record of my travel. And what they've got here with the record of the travel is that I've been able to turn around and say, I'm agreeing to the pledge. And then I'm allowed to sign in my mm. passport, which is a unique experience. Well, and it's a reinforcement technique, right? You would have seen this on the plane. Maybe by the time you got through <laughs> to customs and everything, you, it might have been forgotten. But they are reinforcing this. And it's very clever. Like, and it's actually in a really nice way as well. Like, You'd be thinking, yep, I'm going to actually go and do this. Now, Kirsten, I've just reached into my bag to pull out my passport. So I've just realised something. As I flick through the pages here, I've got, I've got all these signatures from all these other people. I haven't got my signature yeah. in here. And the idea that my signature is in my passport, that, that's, a, that's a really nice mm. idea. And that I was part of the consent for this project that's here. It's just a very simple rubber stamp, but it's a big idea mm. and it's got virility to it that people will go take the, you know, it's really Instagrammable just, it's, moment, shareable moment. It's beautifully moment. executed. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it was well deserved of the award of the month. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so, so uh, listeners, there's our five outstanding projects. There's a whole bunch of others that, uh, that we uh, have also awarded. But we want you to go and look at these five in particular and with the others, take some time to look through the collection. The reason the collection here is so that you get some business intelligence and business insights and 
you know, stay tuned. Next month there's going to be another another series of projects, another great set of inspiration for you. And as I always say, Kirsten, you're driven by design.